disappointing to, to not continue to play, but um, this season certainly wasn't a disappointment. You know, I think we did just some really great things, and you know, the hundred games almost we played. I don't know anybody that could say play, the team played harder than we did. Like I thought we did all we could, came up a little short, bounce here or there. We still be playing. That's the disappointing part of it. But again, I'm, I'm, I was proud of the way our guys played all year, and that didn't change. Yeah, no, I echo what Rod says. We can't forget the, the season we had. And, you know, count on one hand games that we probably didn't play up to our standard. I mean, we weren't going to win every game, but uh, the amount of wins we ended up with in the regular season is a huge achievement. And it's a long year. 82 games are a long time. And have our players show up every night to give 100% and and win the amount of games we did, we got to be very proud of. And, you know, in the playoffs, you know, we ran a tough series there, Boston series, and we found a way to win it in game seven. You know, as Rod said, we're disappointed we didn't uh, finish it off against the Rangers. But uh, overall, we have to, you know, now, you know, for years, franchise, we're talking about playoffs. We don't talk about playoffs. I mean, we talk about how, how we take that next step. And I think we continue to uh, make progress, and we'll take the summer to – look at everything that we need to look at to make sure we put ourselves in the best position to continue moving forward. Don, what sticks out to you as what the team needs next season? What you just listened to was from Rod Brindamore and Don Riddell's end-of-season press conference. And there's a reason I ended it with Sarah Sivian asking what Don thought was needed to improve this team. I think it's important to point out that both of them said they trusted the team, the team performed well, and it was not a disappointing season. I would 100% agree with that. If you were one of those people that without a cup it's a bust, I'm sorry, that's not always true. In this case, we took another step forward. We had the best season in team history. But what were we going to do next? Welcome to Home Ice Advantage. My name's, of course, Colin, and today we will be covering the off-season. This is a long episode, but I think it's going to be worth it, because we're going we're gonna to start from this press conference here and go all the way until this podcast episode was released, and, and really cover in and dive into the Canes off-season. Before Wesley ended up taking his step away, we had already started recording this podcast episode. So there were bits and pieces from our original conversation I'm going to be able to throw into this one. So just a heads up on that. Uh, Colin, get us going. I mean, I guess off the top here, we have to congratulate the Cup winners. Um, I guess for you, the only other team that's acceptable to win the Cup, uh, the Colorado Avalanche finally got that monkey off their back. Can I, like, explain to – like, first off, I do have a, like, boyhood, like, interest in the in the ads. So – but I don't, like – care that they won per se but here's the thing for me all right and this is where like sports fans become completely irrational but somebody had to like like beat the lightning right so that's out of the way which is great and the abs were always going to win one cup in this mckinnon window right so now that's also out of the way so we've really put ourselves like i feel like we've checked like like, the Rangers hyper overachieved. Now they've hyper overextended, like that, right? Avs have their cup, check. 
Lightning, a little older, a little slower. They have somebody who cheats on their wife on their team. Check. Right? These are all things I like. Damn. Didn't think we were going to go there that fast. Okay. We're going to move on to Chicago. And the uh, – I don't know how to phrase this. So, there's long story short, the Wolves Calder Cup, which if you didn't see coming, uh, I don't want to tell you. They, they dominated the American League this year. Yeah. I mean – just, just really – quickly i just want to say this some people are saying that we've won two cups in four years which is really impressive which would be except i don't like the way they're phrasing it because technically we're back-to-back champs as the franchise yeah you're still on a short yeah i don't like that just listen they didn't play for it the past two seasons that doesn't affect me back-to-back calder cup champions for this franchise yeah they said come out come to the rink and we did and we won twice in a row so i heard but i i think it's good i think people really Obviously, there's, like, the meme part of it, which is what we're talking about. Um, the call there doesn't really matter. Um, I think you obviously want to have a good, like, system, but I, I, it doesn't really matter to me. I, I, I think it is a good thing to do, but I don't think it's representative. I bet the team that wins the call there is a playoff team the next year a lot of the times. Like, maybe every time. And I bet those teams go on like playoff runs. I don't know if it correlates to a cup. I've never really looked into it, but it is nice to win the Calder. And it is nice when you, when guys like for me, what is good for us moving forward with the Calder is so Josh Levo, who was kind of a fringe, maybe will, maybe won't get back in the league, comes here, torches. The AHL has a great playoff. Now it's got a one-year deal for the Blues, who are a legit cup contender, right? That's a legit playoff team. So it'll be easier to sell um, What's that, that Nosen kid as well. He's got a uh, – I think it's a first-year one-way, second-year two-way. He's got a big guaranteed salary so that we can bury it. But it's a, it, it is a tough pill to swallow if he goes on waivers for any reason. So having guys who can come, it's I, I imagine as a player, like it's not like your life's goal, but it, I mean, it, winning is fun, right? So you win a Calder Cup. Are you sure? Yeah, that's, that's a hot Calder, take. <laughs> you win a Calder Cup, and then you can show guys like, hey, you can go from like a fringe guy to like maybe Josh Levo could have started. It might be Levo, but I'm gonna call him Levo. He could have he could have been a fourth liner for like the Coyotes. You know, but he instead came here, saw a little time here. There's a world where we might need more of that AHL depth this year. So that's where the caller is good and fun, opinion me. So, and then before we get into like the meat of the show, which is going to be free agency and kind of the lack thereof for us, but I, I want to just talk about qualifying offers um, just because when I could talk about it again. So we qualified everyone that you would. We're going to qualify. So, Martin Nature, Stephen Lawrence, Ethan Bear, Joey Keane, you know, you can go down the list. But there's a storyline that's developed around, I guess, not the league, but more of the hockey world um, because we didn't qualify Jack Lonfontaine. Have you seen this at all? I love that you brought this up. I want to hear your take because there, there's a huge piece of revisionist history here. And I want to see if you remember. Personally? I mean, I don't, I don't care. Like the the kid got his shot to play in the league, so he played in the league. 
that's that's my take on it. And bef- I guess before we let you go, is that there were there were people in the hockey world who were upset that why why would you leave your college, um, and, and abandon your team to play two National Hockey League games and then never be qualified, not even get an offer? Is their opinion? Super disagree, but go ahead and say what you're gonna say. So something that people don't remember is that. We were pretty banged up at goalie. We needed him for a game, or I guess he ended up playing in two. Um, yeah, I believe I we needed him for one. I think one gave was him in the relief because we, you know, what it was. We got smoked. It was in Raleigh, um, in Raleigh against Columbus, and he got like, I mean, he got put in, and the Canes were just like, "Well, kid, it's going to be a shooting gallery tonight." And I believe he won the game. A barn burner, maybe, in New Jersey. I don't remember. We Gotta might have lost that game, actually. We might have, he might have let him seven goals. Somebody, it was like a 7-4 game. It was a crazy game. I think Josh Lebo had two goals in that game, now that I think about it. And then we lost. So, anyway, but this was a huge win for him. What people don't remember is that he wanted – he didn't sign a traditional entry-level contract. He signed the one year to go into RFA – because he assumed that basically this was him getting like control of his destiny. Yeah. He was going to hit UFA sooner. He was going to come out of college. He quote had nothing else to prove. Yada, 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 which may have been true. I don't really follow college hockey, so I don't know, but I remember, I at least remember Sivian hyping him. Yeah. Um, he won. I, the I believe trophy. he was the goalie of the year, uh, the previous season or something like that. Yeah. Just like, and then his starts didn't go well. I don't think he played particularly well in the AHL. And now this is what it is. He made a bet on himself that he was going to come in, he was going to sign this deal, and he was going to prove himself, and he was going to get to UFA way faster. And he was going to make a bunch of money way faster. That is untrue. That's not what happened. So it sucks that it doesn't work for him, to be honest. I get where he's coming from. I don't even think it has to be like a greed thing for him. You had Kochetkov. You had the, the Swedish guy or the Finnish guy who got sent to the Sharks. Yeah, the other kid they drafted, you had him. And he's like, wow, this is really crowded. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm better off, you know, getting out of here and getting to a place that needs goaltending or will give me the games I need to grow. So a lot of this is, I think, it's just like people like to be negative about things, right? So this whole like, I saw Butcher Gross like, don't forget, it's a business. Like, hey, he did this. Like, this is what he wanted. Like, you don't think the Canes wanted to like, if like people, it's funny, right? Because what did people see the Canes as? These like penny pushers. They set their number. They want you for as long as they can, for as cheap as they can, and that's what they do. So you think they wanted to let this – they give this asset a one-year deal and then have to RFA him? No. That's really not what they wanted to do. This is what he wanted. They bit because they needed him. It didn't work out. Hopefully it does. Hopefully he carves out a, a nice career, but not, not on us. Yeah. Really not on him. Sports are hard. I mean, the thing is, is free agency has been open for, at this point, we're, we're nearing the end of the second day. 
he's not going to be a starting goaltender. No one's going after him the first day. Give it time. Yeah, he might be an NHL backup. Yeah. Which is fine. The quickie modern update on Jack LaFontaine um, is that he signed with the Syracuse Crunch of the AHL, who is the AHL affiliate of the Tampa Bay Lightning, but it's a one-way contract purely with the AHL club. I guess deals we wanted, we're, we're going to skip into the draft here. And importantly, I know I don't really pay attention to prospects, um, especially okay. pre-draft. Like, I'll read the articles getting close to the draft, and then I'll read the retrospectives after the draft, but I'm yeah. not. The I'm Athletic not does a tremendous, figures. and I wish I could remember the name of the, the, uh, the guy who writes them. Colin will put it in the description. I'm, in fact, not going to put it in the description, but the article Wesley's talking about here is from The Athletic. It is Corey Pronman, and it's a good read if you want to go out and look for it. The Athletic does a tremendous job of writing on draft. Like, they'll grade your draft, and what they do is he ranks – it's a guy, that's all I remember. Is he t- He'll take, like, you know, John Smith, like, shot, compete, speed, skill. And he'll rate them and then be like, this is the season he had. They thought he was going to go here, but he went here. Or because of this, he went here. This is what I see for him. I have questions about this, but who knows? So it's kind of like, because the problem with prospects is every year, the Hurricanes have seven steals that are bona fide NHLers, which is impossible. (laughs) What? (laughs) No. It's the the nature of how these things are written. And And it becomes a little bit of like a... They call it a name off in college basketball, but guys start like, yeah, well, you know, the assistant shooting coach for Colgate and they like name drop. It comes a little bit of, becomes a little bit of that prospects to me, like the Canes draft well enough that, uh, what's his name? Jack Morrow kid, the college kid, the defenseman. Yeah. I've seen everybody who went to the, the prospect or the prospect round three, like rave. That guy might get one year of AHL, and they might bring that kid up and let him run it. I like how we started this. We, we don't look at prospects. Anyways, I think the prospects are really going to crack through in the next couple of years. Like, well, anyways. Then, like, good teams, it, it, it's kind of like the Calder thing, right? Good teams find either through the draft or you snag a Jalen Chatfield or something like that, right? I mean, Good teams uh, find these guys, and they – you know, it's I mean, not hard. Slavin was a fourth rounder. He's yeah. the best defensive defenseman in the league right now. Like Aho was a second rounder and is probably the third best player in that draft. It's like I mean, yeah. even even Stephen Lawrence was a seventh rounder. And is he going to be Connor McDavid? No, but he eight minutes was a like good like a good quality player. Yeah, Stephen Lawrence could play on the fourth line, and he, Stephen, th- this is probably the best compliment you could play him. Stephen Lawrence could be on a hockey team that wins a cup. Yes. And be a contributor. Yes. I really respect what the Canes did, which is during Don Riddell's press conference. I don't even think he was necessarily asked if we're going to try to break into the fourth round. I think he just, like, volunteered the information. Like, we're not interested in the fourth round. Um, which really gave Canes fans the note they needed to not have to watch the fourth night of the draft. That's such a gift, too, to local media. Yeah. That's why he did that. It's such a gift to be like – and they could, and they, they always have to pay attention because it's their jobs. Yeah. But it becomes a, like, I'll check Twitter every 30 minutes yeah. versus, like, 
it mainstream it straight into your bloodstream. Like, yeah, yeah. I 100% get that. It was, it was also, I don't know, guys. Listen, I get Montreal is Montreal, but I can't stand how much French is spoken. And the, I feel like, you know, an 18-hour draft is going to take 36 hours now because everything has to be repeated in French. Yeah, I don't. You know also, weird? recently English... found out that actual French people think that, like, um, Canadian French butchers the language and they hate it. Yeah, I mean, everybody, like, if you talk to, like, a Dominican, they think every other, like, regional Spanish dialect is, like, dog water. Fair enough. And, like, the, the, like, the Spaniards are, like, yeah, Mexicans are basically kindergartners and stuff. That's terrible. I, this is, I had no idea. I mean, I guess I did, because the English say the same thing about us. Like, oh, my God, American English is garbage. What? Yeah. It is funny, though, that with, English is the only language. Like, I have a wife. I might shock the world. She was con, but she's like a Salvadoran national, and everything she watches is Spanish dubbed. Dubbed? Yeah. So they like voice over the but lines. Du- dubbing is always the worst. What do you mean? That's how she watches. There's some super main. Like if we watch stuff together, we'll watch it in English. Like she speaks English, obviously. Um. But, like, if it's just, like, her show, like, she watches a lot of, like, soapy, you know, thriller bullshit. You know what I mean? Like, just, like, classic, yes. like, girl stuff. Wow. All, all that's, like, like Riverdale and stuff like that. That's all washed in Spanish. But, like, if you, like, to, but you as someone who's, like, yeah, I don't want to listen to this in French. People are going to be, like, tisk tisk tisk. This was a long conversation just to say we did absolutely nothing the fourth night don riddell sat there he answered some phones uh i don't know probably checked some text messages but they didn't do anything so we're at the end of day one of the entry draft and so far again the hurricanes have done nothing they publicly announced that they would be doing nothing on the fourth day of the draft that night the rumor mill was still Carolina is trying to sign TDA. Carolina is trying to sign Nino Niederado, but Trocheck is probably gone, which most of us saw coming. And then it started in earnest. The Carolina Hurricanes didn't start their offseason with the draft pick, but rather the trade. It was made official. The Carolina Hurricanes were trading the rights to Tony D'Angelo to the Philadelphia Flyers, along with a seventh round pick for three picks over the next three years. Yeah, we were trying to uh, obviously talk about an extension and uh, just couldn't get any place with it. And, you know, we had teams that were interested, so we did our best to maximize the return value. I think the Canes, all things considered, would rather have the picks that they got than Tony D'Angelo at two for five, right? Yeah. I don't personally agree with that, but whatever. That's what they think. Personally, my immediate reaction to the Tony D'Angelo deal was, Welp, we're going to wait and see. If Don Waddell has taught me anything, it's to wait to see his plan unfold. Last season, I completely overreacted to Nadelkovich being traded. Literally, I was in a car driving down. Well, yeah, no, I was driving down to Atlanta at that point, And I was ballistic. How dare he? Who is Don Waddell to be making these decisions? And that worked out, because we had the best season in team history. So I was more willing to wait than a lot of people. But I think what the transaction really brought out was that 
Tony will always be a mixed bag with this fan base. There were people who liked the player, there were people who liked the man, there were people who don't like the man, but there's almost no one who doesn't like the player. Just the man on the ice, his production. If you say you didn't like him as a player, you're being dishonest. I want to end this Tony section with Tony in his own words. This was actually the last question he answered as a Carolina Hurricane during his exit interview. And I think it ends his storyline here perfectly. After you had that Gordie Howe hat trick, I remember you said that you, you thought you won people over. But there are still people who you may not ever win over. Does that bother you at all? And do, do you understand that point of view at all? Uh, people have whatever point of view they like. It doesn't bother me. I never have, uh, never have a problem with somebody else's opinion. They don't... Uh, you know, I think we got a lot of support here. I'll talk about the positive side. I think I got a lot of support from the fans and and stuff around here. So that's uh, that's all I care about. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion. They could think what they want, say what they want. Uh, they definitely say what they want, especially on social media. Like they say a lot there. But uh, no, it's it's fine. I hope uh, we can continue to win over more. But it is what it is. Our major problem from, uh, I mean, ever now has been that we don't score enough. You know why we lost to the Rangers? Do you know why it took seven games to eliminate Boston? It's because we can't fucking score. Is it all of those games, excluding game six and game seven of the Rangers series, I might be mixing those up, but all those games were close, within a goal, and that's it. So if we just had finish, it would have never gone to game seven with Boston. It would have never gotten to Game 7 with the Rangers. We are, in fact, a better team than the Rangers. But guess what? They put the puck in the back of the net. Also, both of our goalies were injured. But that's not... <laughs> I'm not here to make excuses for a team. I am, but that's not what this is. So, following the trade of TDA, they still have their overarching problem. Where are we producing from? Alright. I don't know if I really need to make a statement other than we made a trade today. And then it happened. Don Riddell started making the moves that I was hoping he would make. In this case, trading for Brett Burns. The news was broken by Pierre Lebron. Brett Burns and Lane Pedersen would be traded to the Carolina Hurricanes for Stephen Lawrence and a goalie prospect and an additional 2023 third round pick. The Sharks would also be retaining 33% of Barnes's contract. For me, I really like this move. You have a former Norris winner who takes more shots than anyone should, honestly, and who played more minutes last year than any other NHLer. That's real. But there is a crowd who brings up the fact that he's going to turn 40 very soon. And that's the stance that Wesley took. So they literally got older and more expensive to replace TDA, which I said they were going to do. So, still right. It, no, you're in fact saying that they could not simply replace his production. They also can't. He doesn't produce like Tony does. He's also on a downtrend. Tony's on an uptrend. Come on now. Come Tony's on, on an uptrend because he came here. You think so? Yeah. Tony in New York has produced more than Burns has in the last two years. Yeah, Burns is on one of the worst, was on one of the worst teams in the league. All right. Whatever. You're, I mean, that you can wait and see on. But his per numbers are worse. His analytics are worse. 
and he's a decade older and more expensive, which yes, were the right. exact things I would said needed to happen. I'll wait for April. Okay. I mean, here's the thing, and like you can take this as you want to take it. I don't care, but you're really playing a fool's game here, right? Because anything short of a cup, I'm just going to bury you. So you're basically right now, like I'm going to put my social cachet on the line, cup or bust on Brett Burns. Please do, but I don't no, I can, I can, I can get a win with an Eastern Conference final. Also, guys never won a cup. Constant playoff disappointment are the San Jose Sharks. Oh yeah, no, that's gonna, that's going to be an argument. That's that's why he's here. What do you mean? It's because he finally wants to win that cup. I think he was just tired of playing in San Jose. So I'm going to address the age thing first because I think it's a very, very, very poignant well, point. But Brett Burns is on the wrong side of 30. He's 37. By the time his deal expires, he'll be 40 years old. And it's not like he'll be the first 40-year-old that's ever played for the franchise, <clears throat> Rod Francis, or Gordie Howe, but... That's not something you want, especially not someone you want to be driving your power play. But Don actually addressed this in his press conference, so I'm going to leave it to him. I think he's played every game for, I don't know, for six or seven years in a row or something like that. And, you know, let's face it, whenever you're going to make a trade or sign a free agent, you, know, you do as much homework as you possibly can. And uh, we did this on this player. He's a fitness guru. Uh, he's, I just spoke to him. He's already talking about when he can get here to start working out with our guys and with Billy. So, you know, you always look at age, but everybody ages differently. And this is a big man that uh, has played a lot of minutes uh, and been very durable through his career. So um, we think he's got at least three more real good years in him uh, as he reaches the age of 40. To be clear, I don't think that answers anything. And this is still a gamble, but gonna be honest with you it's always a gamble when we traded ron francis in 2004 it was a gamble for the leafs to do that and he didn't produce and they didn't make it at the second round so it's a gamble and i want to say it was within a week maybe two weeks brett burns was in raleigh he was here meeting with the coaching staff putting in the reps walking with his eventual line mate jacob slavin who is local 365 so I can't say that he's not going to walk out. I'm going to say what I've been saying the entire offseason in... Let's wait and see. I don't know. It's not October yet. Give me until October 13th. On October 13th, I might watch 60 minutes of hockey and say, well, that's it. Let's cancel the season tickets, save the money. We'll come back next year. But I'm not ready to do that yet. Something that Burns actually has that I think we as a team need is the ability to take... A shot. I don't know if it comes from Rod or if it's just new age hockey shit, but our team has a Ted Lasso problem, which is a... They always go for the extra pass. It's not that we can't finish. Aho can score. Svech can score. Teravainen can score. Natures can score. But they all decide to give the extra pass. They'll wait the extra second. And I'm not, you know... I'm not going to say that's always bad. In some cases, that's how you get that goal. But in other cases, put it on net. I don't remember how many years back it was, but there was some point where Brett Burns was taking so many shots that the San Jose coaching staff told him to stop. So, you know, imagine Jordan Stahl's in the crease 
well, not in the crease, but just, you know, just outside of the blue paint, where it's legal. Brett Burns takes a shot, reflects off the bat. There's Jordan Stahl, the backhanded end goal. Think of it a different way. Imagine he takes the shot, it deflects off the skate of a, I don't know, let's say, Marnie Natchez, standing at the side of the goal. Hits off his skate, goes in. And I'm not saying that's how we're going to win every game, but if you take more of those shots, you're going to get more of these bounces. And for how many times did we say last year, well, we just didn't get our bounces? We just didn't get our bounces. Just, you know, puck luck. Puck luck is generated. It's not something that just happens. Puck luck, puck luck is created because of the things you do while playing. It's about taking the shot. But I guess we'll move on to the next transaction that came out. And we're actually going to go back to that same press conference we just listened to post Borns trade and listen to Don Riddell answer a question on what else the team is working on in the offseason. We are working on multiple deals and players. Um, we still feel like we would like to address uh, a forward spot in particular. So you know, we're, we're, I guess, two things we're out seeing what's still out there in the free agent market, but also exploring multiple trades with different teams. There'd be more uh, winger that we feel like the need would be. That, ladies and gentlemen, was Don Waddell calling his shot because it came out on the June 13th that the Carolina Hurricanes had acquired Max Pacioretty and Dylan Coughlin from the Las Vegas Golden Knights. And I'm going to be honest with you. The Hurricanes gave away the house for this. They didn't do anything but the kitchen sink. They threw in the kitchen sink and sent Vegas future considerations. That's right. We, we got them for literally nothing. It's, well, I need to write something down on the paper. That's literally what that was. But there's a problem. <laughs> so modern day, we know the problem. But Max Pacioretty has had an injury problem for the last few seasons now. And there was a worry that he couldn't stay healthy. But, you know, we've heard that a lot. We heard that about Anderson and Ranta, and they never got injured last year, right? I was originally going to go into a lot more about Pacioretty and, you know, look, we got patches. It'll be a great time. And to be honest, it could have been a great time. Adding Borns and Pacioretty would have solved, well, I shouldn't say solved, but it would have given us more of an opportunity to fix our scoring problem. Both of them know how to put a biscuit in the basket. And Pacioretty even came to town and started working with the team, was with the coaches, was practicing in Carolina. And, you know, it was really easy to brush off tropes from other fan bases, like, yeah, if he can stay healthy, oh, I bet he won't even play a single game. But you know what? He's in rally. He's walking. Everything's going to be fine. And then August 9th happens. So I'm actually on my way back from South Carolina. I'm driving the car with my brother, and he just says, Pacioretty's going to have surgery. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, uh, I guess he's going to have surgery. He tore his Achilles. Ex what? And then I was like, well, what's the source? What's the source? Because, you know, sometimes these things are just said, and they're not true. Oh, it's from the team. Welp, well, cap compliant. That was literally my initial thought, was... Okay, well, cap compliant. We don't have to buy out Garner. We don't have to trade Garner. Well, this is... This is... 
This fucking sucks. So Pacioretty is going to be out for at least five months. Maybe a little bit less, but most likely five months or more. And that brings him back to us in February-ish? Early February? Which is just... Ugh. Like, I, I don't know what else to put to this. I was actually really excited about Patches. And, you know, sports are stupid sometimes. So I'm not even going to dive into it. Like, it, 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 if he comes back, we're going to have to find cap space. So that's a thing. Maybe we'll deal Garner out before then. But we'll have to find cap space. And if he comes back and produces and we win a cup, then everything's incredible. But I don't think someone who hasn't played hockey in eight months seriously is going to be that productive. So this one just sucks. I guess the silver lining of the situation would be that we didn't really spend anything to get patches. So the fact that we won't be able to use him for most of the season, if at all, isn't really a letdown. But it still sucks. And while we're talking about things that suck, let's talk about the Martin Natchez situation. Anyone who watched Kane's games last year can see that Martin Natchez did not have a good year. I'm also going to stop saying his full name, but Natchez didn't have a good year. That was more than evident. And at his end-of-season press conference, his exit interview, that came up because it's going to come up when you have a bad year, especially when you're someone like Natchez. And I think a lot of people took things away from that exit interview that they probably shouldn't have. So I'm going to compress his exit interview and make go over like the big important chunks, and then I'm going to come back and talk to you about how I feel about it. Even for me personally, it was kind of like step back from from the last season. Uh, obviously, it was disappointing season for me for. Our whole team, because you know, if I take it from the team point, we you know in a in the regular season we play great playoffs, not so good. And uh, for me, it was just uh, I don't know, I couldn't really get into it. And it was it's uh, like I said, I gotta help the team more, uh, gotta produce way more. Uh, you know, that's what everyone kind of expects from me, and I. Uh, didn't do it this year, so um, just like I said, it was uh, disappointing for me. It was tough. It was, you know, uh, I'm uh, never gonna complain about that, but or whatever, you know. I, it's gonna be kind of between me and Roddy. We gotta trust each other a little more, and uh, you know, I gotta, I gotta show him that you know I can, I can play in those, you know. Uh, in those minutes where it, where it, when it really matters, and uh, that's uh, when I would love to play, and uh, uh, it was it was tough. I was going in the lineup like up and down, but but uh, you know I had my chances, but it was just hard for me to get going. Um, that's that's what I'm gonna say. Yeah, I mean we we talked about it <clears throat> even today. You know I uh, I used to I used to be center till till I came here. And, uh, you know, it's, I always felt like I was, a, you know, kind of my thinking was more like a center-wise. I, I always love to play center and, uh, you know, uh, we'll see. We'll see. I got to I gotta work on my face-offs. I got to be better in a, in a circle and uh, uh, we'll see how it's going to be. But I, I would love to in the future for sure. So that 
that was it. That is the basics of the conversation they had. Excluding the, he was asked on if he thought he was coming back, and he said he thought he was. So, we're going to go with the first answer you heard, which is Chip Alexander asked him what he thought about his year. And like everyone else, he thought he didn't have a great year. What were people expecting him to do? Lie? The man didn't have a good year. I'm not saying cut him, but he didn't have a good year. And for some reason, I've seen a lot of places that him talking about himself like that showed that he he wasn't he wa- he didn't want to come back. He didn't want to have to deal with it anymore, which I think is silly in every way, shape, or form. And then the second response that we heard was in response to a Sarah Sivian question about playing below the top six, and I thought he gave a real you know, honest answer there about how it's disappointing. Of course it's disappointing. You don't want to do that. But also, what do you can do? Complain about playing in the NHL? And the thing that gets, I guess, latched onto was when he said, you know, Rod and I just have to trust each other. Yeah, that's how this works. A coach and a player need to trust each other. And as he said in the first answer, he had just talked to Rod Brindamore. Do you think Martin is staying at home thinking right now, ah, oh, if only Rod Brindamore trust me more. Ah, oh, if only I trust him more. No. That was, he was in a room with Rod Brindamore 10 minutes before this, and Rod Brindamore said, hey, bud, we just need to trust each other more. So latching onto that as him thinking that Rod Brindamore doesn't trust him is weird to me. I guess without context, I can see how you can jump to it. But with the context of knowing he just left the meeting with Brindamore, I don't see how you can put that as a negative. He's regurgitating what his head coach just told him. And then the third response we just heard, I'm I'm so sorry, I couldn't recognize the reporter's voice. I know them as a Canes reporter, but like I can't I can't find their name in my head, so I apologize. But it was about him playing center. And I I saw a lot of places that he would want to leave because we're not going to let him play center, which is an interesting question. I I don't I think he might get some starts in the preseason um, as center, but long term I don't. I mean he's not going to be the second center. That's going to Kakanyemi. There's no way he's going to bump Jordan Stahl off the third line, and it's looking like uh, Drury will have the fourth line, and of course Ajo staying at number one. So I don't know where he would fit in there. But if you go back and listen to his answer, he's listing what he needs to do to become a center. And he's only doing that because he was just told by his coach what he would need to do to play center. So... I think most of the Martin stuff has been blown way out of proportions. First of all, he couldn't leave the team if he wanted to. He was a restricted free agent without arbitration rights. That Martin Natchez was on one of the most team-friendly deals I'd ever seen. And then, actually, the same day as the Pacioretty has to have surgery news, that morning, they announced that he had agreed to terms. It was a two-year contract with a uh, six million cap hit over the next two years, two point five this year and three point five next year, which is some cap shenanigans right there. But I'm fine with it, and I expected this. And if you didn't, I need you to calm down more. <laughs> there, were, 
was very little chance of Martin not returning, much like there was very little chance of Ajo not returning when his deal's up. I think everyone just needs to calm down. There's obviously a ton more stories from this offseason that we could talk about, and I'm, I'm going to go over the free agency plus minus in a moment here, you know, who we gained, who we lost. Well, we didn't we didn't really gain anyone in free agency. Maybe Ryan Dezingle, like, whatever. But I do think we lost we lost some guys. Wesley had said last year that that was his favorite Canes team of all time, and I'm not going to disagree with him. So losing people like Niederreiter and Trocek hurts. It, it doesn't feel great. Seeing Trocek go to the Rangers, you know what? No, no, no. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting ahead of myself. So let's go down the list. Um, first, we have Ian Cole, who signed with Tampa, which I'm not going to touch with a 10-foot pole. And then our trade deadline acquisition, Max Domi, goes to Chicago. You know, no offense to Max Domi. He was not integral. But next, we got Nito Niederreiter, who... I mean, he's going to be missed. What can I say here? That third line isn't going to be as dominant without him. He also was a depth scorer, which, again, we need. Uh, then we got Brendan Smith going to New Jersey on a two-year, which, okay, um, doesn't super affect me, if I'm going to be honest. Derek Stepan is actually on a PTO with the team, so a professional tryout. So maybe he makes it through camp, but uh, I'm not holding my breath on that one. And the one that really hurts, the one that super-duper-duper-duper-duper extra hurts, is Trocek. Trocek going to the Rangers is painful. At first, I saw that uh, it was reported that he could go to Boston. And the only team worse for me than the Rangers is Boston. So if he had gone to Boston, in my head, he would have retired. Whoever that Vinny is up in Boston is some new player. But he goes to the Rangers and makes... You know, th- this is him getting his bag. The contract he signed is going to be worth somewhere just below $40 million um, after seven years when all things are said and done. And I can't blame Vinny for that. I can blame him for he's not going to win, which is fine, but to each their own. And then I guess this is now the galaxy braining section of the show, which is a look ahead and an expectation for next year. So the expectation is clear. And... Uh, this is coming from the team, the fans, everyone. The expectation is to win. If Carolina comes back and doesn't make it out of the first round, there will be problems. There there will be questions asked. But I honestly think we can make it to at least the conference finals this year. And if we don't, I'll eat my hat. But I, I think... A healthy Barnes taking those shots will help a lot. If Pacioretty somehow does come back in February and is the player he's supposed to be, we're going to be absolutely filthy in the playoffs. So the real hope here is that Jake Gardner plays until February. He gets up his uh, traded value, and then we trade him. At least that's how I see it. Or someone else, God forbid, gets injured and has to be put in LTIR before Pacioretty gets back. But if that happens, the season's done. So the expectations here is to win. And we need... (laughs) It's funny, because it's said every year. We need Svechnikov to take that magical step. We need Natchez to prove he wants to be a top-six forward. 
You want to be a center of the National Hockey League? Win some face-offs. We need Ajo to just, honestly just keep doing what he's doing. Ajo has consistently progressed. He got uh, 81 or 82 points last season. I can see him getting to at least 90, if not the century mark this season, which I'm really, really looking forward to. And Teravine's Teravine. Come on. Come on. But I, I do think the sleeper of the season, the sleeper forward, it's going to be Jordan Stahl. Wesley and I talked about it after his exit interview, and I've seen like rumblings around it online, but this is the end of his monster forever contract, uh, which I, I believe was like 10 years. And it's ending this offseason. This will be the first time over a decade that, well, actually, for the first time since like 03 that we haven't had a stall under contract once that contract expires. And I honestly think Jordan's going to try to go out on top. Especially two seasons ago, he popped off, and we were all like, oh no, what if this was the last good season of Jordan Stahl? And then last season, he was the only player on the team to get a hat-trick. No, he's not Connor McDavid, but could he return to his you know, 40-point seasons that he had in, what, 2018-2017? Yeah, and what a high note to go off on. So that's that's going to be my pick for the sleeper player of this season. I'm not really concerned. Um, I know we don't really know who our third pair is on the blue line, so first pair is going to be Slavin, Borns, obviously. Second pair, Pesci, Slavin. Pesci, Shea, obviously, and the third will we'll figure it out. But I'm not concerned. I mean... We won the Jennings Trophy last year. The, the, this team's problem in the modern era and the Dundon, you know, Waddell, Brindamore era has not been defense. So I'm not worried about it. I'm much more worried about scoring. And without Pacioretty, there's a big question mark there. So I guess we'll wait and see if Don does anything else this offseason. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. These episodes have taken a lot more work than they used to in the past. Uh, we got a couple announcements. First, it's that we have merchandise now. We have t-shirts and stickers and everything. So there's going to be a link below. The first design that I did was Defend the Barn, which is something that Wesley and I preached for a long time. So no need to be disrespectful. Don't be a douche. But stand up for yourself. Don't let these Rangers fans or Boston fans come in our house and try to tell us that we don't know hockey. You know what? I will give Tampa Bay fans. Tampa Bay has dominated this league for the better part of half a decade now. And when Tampa Bay fans come to PNC, they're not disrespectful. They're, hey, look, we won. And yeah, that's a thing you have to deal with. But they're not, oh, well, you guys don't know hockey. Oh, well, uh, my team is an original six team, so you, uh, you, you are nothing. It's it's pointless for them to act that way. But the best thing you can do when a shitty Rangers fan, well, you guys don't even know hockey. Okay, that's fair. You guys aren't even a real original six team. Not even the first NHL team to play Madison Square Garden. Throw stuff like that in their face. Sooner or later, they're going to shut up. There's a total of four unique designs that are all on our store. The link is on our link tree, which is at the bottom of every episode description and on all of our social media. If you could please see if you like anything, maybe a sticker, who knows, and purchase it, that'd be a great help to be able to support the show. 
If you could also share this episode, as always, follow us on social media. You know the word. I don't know how to say it every episode. But I thank you guys for listening, and I will see you on Saturday.